0: From Washington, D.C., this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm Bob Garfield with Mike Volo, and today, episode number 36, titled, The Dude Abides, wherein we discuss the elusive etymology of the word dude. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Bobby. How you doing? Splendid. Thank you. And yourself? I'm excellent. Thank you. Why? Why am I excellent? Hmm? Why not? Okay. Excellent. It's good all by itself. I have some good news for those listeners who seem to not be as enamored of our preambular back and forth as others. And there will be none today, right? This is it. This is 100% of the foreplay. We're going right to the topic.
1: Yeah. I want to get right into it because I really want to talk about Dude.
0: It's a phenomenal word. It, As we'll see, it shows up about 130 years ago for the first time, kind of out of nowhere. And for a period of time in the 19th century, it meant one very specific thing. And then it kind of went underground for a while. And it reemerged, meaning a different thing. And then went underground for a few more decades. And then it reemerged, meaning yet a third thing. And now, over the last... 15 years or so, it has become what I think of as the O-negative of words. It's a noun of direct address, it's an exclamation, and it's uh, ubiquitous. And uh, I'm dying to hear where this all started. Yeah, the word alone can be used to express happiness, pain, sadness,
1: and everything in between depending on the inflection you give it and the tone of your voice. Surprise, disgust, Mm -hmm. recrimination, excitement. Right. And as you said, this all started about 130 years ago. Bob, do you know who Carl Schurz is? Yes. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) You have no idea, do you? No none whatsoever. I was going to be really impressed. That's a name that I'm very familiar with, but I didn't really know who he was. The reason I'm familiar with it is because there's a park in Manhattan on the east side. In fact, it's the park that houses Gracie Mansion called Carl Scherz Park. And the reason I know it is because my sister lives just a few blocks from that park. My mother does too. And I never really bothered to wonder who he was. According to Wikipedia, he was a German revolutionary an American statesman and reformer, U.S. minister to Spain, Union Army general in the American Civil War, U.S. senator, and secretary of the interior. He was also an accomplished journalist, newspaper editor, and orator who became the first German-born American elected to the United States Senate.
0: I've been there, actually, at about 86th and East End Avenue. Mm -hmm. I've been in Carl Scherz Park, but never made the connection. So that's who he is, and...
1: In 1883, in March of 1883, he wrote an essay in The Evening Post in New York, which is now a defunct newspaper. It was called The Development of the Dude. Many of our readers may not know what a dude is, and some of them perhaps do not even suspect his existence. He then went on to describe what a dude is. So a dude, as he put it, is a young man around the age of 25, but not much older, who may be seen on Fifth Avenue between the hours of 3 and 6 and may be recognized by the following distinguishing marks and signs. He is dressed in clothes which are not calculated to attract much attention because they are fashionable without being ostentatious. So what are those clothes? Well, his trousers are very tight his shirt collar, which must be clerical in cut, encircles his neck so as to suggest that a sudden motion of the head in any direction will cause pain. He wears a tall black hat, pointed shoes, and a cane. He then goes on to contrast the dude with other incarnations of him, the fop, the swell, who sure says are different from the dude in that they regarded exaggeration and extravagance as a legitimate, fashionable aim. They were also different in another way, he says. The fop and the swell were more high-spirited and given to laughter. He says that the old race of fops and swells enjoyed life, though perhaps in a misdirected way. There is no evidence that the dude enjoys life at all. (laughs) In fact, he says, uh, the manner is that of a young man who has a mission of some kind from which he is determined that the frivolity of the world should not turn him aside. So we're not going to concern ourselves with the taxonomy of these various terms because we're
0: here to talk about the dude. You know, until you mentioned the humorless, earnest sobriety in Scherz's dude, I thought this was kind of a proto metrosexual, a fashionable without being flamboyant.
1: Well, I think the metrosexual is probably a more modern incarnation of this very type and there are variations on the type and the metrosexual is just one
0: all right well then uh, let's hold the thought carry on the word dude as you
1: could guess by the way he began that essay was not necessarily in common use at the time that was in march of 1883 the word traveled very quickly very far over the following several months so that we find in july of eighteen eighty-three a short passage in the Prince Albert Times, which is in the sort of central to northern reaches of Saskatchewan, in which somebody writes, the dude has struck this town at last. We knew he must come, but tried to stave him off as long as possible. The dude is one of those creatures which are perfectly harmless and are a necessary evil to civilization. This little passage was on page five of a six-page newspaper, as I mentioned, in
0: Saskatchewan. Now, ordinarily, it's hard to trace the provenance of a word and get it right back to its its true root. But here, the etymology detectives were eventually able to uh, find the source.
1: We usually don't know what triggers the explosion of a word. There's no single catalytic event that we can point to most often. But thanks to the tireless work of a man named Gerald Cohen, who is at the Missouri University of Science and Technology, and a couple of other etymologists, a guy named Barry Popik and a guy named Sam Clements, who have been on the trail of "dude" for about 15 years, we think we know what spurred the spread of this word. So I mentioned that the Carl Schurz essay ran in the Evening Post in March of 1883. In January of 1883, January 14th, the New York newspaper called The World published a poem by a poet who nobody's ever heard of. His name is Robert Sale Hill. The poem is called The True Origin and History of the Dude. And it's written in a series of quatrains, many of them, in fact, with ABAB rhyme. And I'll read you just a couple of them. It's a very long poem. He says, when Darwin's theory first saw light... The dude he tried to think of, but monkeys being far more bright, he made the missing link of. Now, lately in this hemisphere, through some amalgamation, a flock of dudes, I greatly fear, are added to our nation. So you see that the dude is coming in for ridicule, even at this very early time when most people have never even
0: heard the word. Well, you can't be saying that this poem is responsible for the spread of the word because he's clearly identified a type who has found his way onto the scene in the way, I guess, that hipsters found their way onto the scene in Williamsburg, Brooklyn or something, and have, you know, since gone on to infest various other parts of the borough. (laughs) (laughs) I I could very much imagine a similar piece of doggerel devoted to hipsters.
1: Yeah, it does seem that he knows an awful lot about the dude. This is a poem that goes on for 21 quatrains and describes a lot of the dress and other characteristics of the dude but there's something a little suspicious that one of these etymology hunters found which is the day before that poem was published january 13th 1883 there was a gossip columnist in the new york mirror she went by the name the giddy gusher who was writing about and describing a group of men that she saw in a particular neighborhood. She said there were a half dozen young snips dressed within an inch of their silly lives. Their little pink pipe stem necks stuck out of more shirt collar and open front vest and shiny broadcloth dress coat than would make a French ball. Now, it would seem that she was describing dudes, but she didn't use that word. And you would think that if anyone would know the latest terminology for... A particular clique or in-group or out-group, it would be a gossip columnist. So it's suspicious that prior to this poem, people who were
0: clearly dudes or dude-like were not described as such. Okay, I, I understand suspicious, although the, as Carl Sagan liked to say, the um, absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. It, her not invoking the word dude does not prove that dude wasn't in the lexicon at that point.
1: No, you're right. This is in part conjecture about why this word exploded so quickly, but frankly, there are no better theories, and this is not a bad one. You mentioned, Bob, that you, know, you can imagine doggerel being written about hipsters today. I'm sure there probably is some New Yorker poem. But it's funny that you say that, because it wasn't just Robert Sale Hill's poem Somehow, the type of the dude inspired so much doggerel at the time that it was like you could scarcely open up a newspaper without encountering some. And I just want to read to you my favorite because I think it's probably among the most thorough for how brief it is. This is a poem titled, Here is the Dude, and it's credited to a Wisconsin newspaper called Peck's Son. I don't know who wrote it, but it goes, A little cane, a high-crowned hat, a fixed expression, rather flat. A pointed shoe, a scanty coat, a stand-up collar round his throat. A gorgeous necktie spreading wide, a small mustache, nine on a side. I don't really understand the nine on a side reference here. When I think of nine on a side, I think of baseball. So, I don't know, maybe they were thought to be fans of baseball? In any case, arms at right angles, curved with ease, a stilted walk and shaky knees. A languid drawl, the English swing, an air of knowing everything. A vacant stare, extremely rude, and there you have the perfect dude.
0: Okay, so phenomenologically, this is fascinating that this type pops up on the scene and is an object of ridicule for the less pretentious and less affected population of Wisconsin or whatever. So that's what a dude is
1: and what may likely have given rise to the popularity of the word. But where did the word come from? That still hasn't been answered. And in fact, people were already asking that question just a few years after the word kind of came on the scene. Really, weeks even. You know, when people would mention it in the newspaper, they would say things like, you know, know, where this came from, nobody knows. And if you look up dude in the Oxford English Dictionary, under etymology, it says a factitious slang term which came into vogue in New York about the beginning of 1883 in connection with the aesthetic craze of that day, actual origin not recorded. So this is where our etymology sleuths come in. I mentioned them earlier. Barry Poppick was, I suppose, reading an issue of Clothier and Furnisher, a trade magazine from the 1880s. Yeah, CNF, right? Yeah, exactly. CNF. This was an industry magazine for the rag trade.
0: Mike, you're not telling me anything. Uh, Carl Schurz used to uh, lend me his as soon as he was finished with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he had a subscription. It was a dollar <laughs> a year for a subscription. You didn't have to spend the full dollar twenty if you bought each individual issue. So this was a magazine that had you know articles in it with titles like "In Favor of the Dress Coat," "Early and Late Umbrellas." Uh, this was one of my favorite chinese laundrymen combining it was a an article about how chinese laundrymen were organizing to protect themselves against the protection racket
0: yeah the the starch cartel yeah
1: exactly see you did read it wait let's see. this was uh early 1880s so you were what
0: shut up (laughs) don't don't finish the thought please just this one time do not finish the thought Okay. So Barry Popick
1: found in an issue of Clothier and Furnisher from the 1880s some very interesting facts about the word dude. Somebody wrote, it is not exactly slang, but has not rooted itself in the language and has not, therefore, a precise and accepted meaning. The word pronounced in two syllables as if spelled D-O-O-D-Y has been in occasional use in some New England towns for more than a score of years. So that's an interesting detail. Duty is how it was pronounced, suggested by the author of this clothier and furniture piece. Okay, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to not comment on that. (laughs) And the piece then goes on to say that in the last year or two, the word dude is now generally sounded to rhyme with rude. So in other words, it dropped the two syllables and is now one and has been applied to one who, in addition to the characteristics we have described, makes a feeble attempt to imitate the manners of some effeminate young nobleman about whom he has read in a foreign novel. This person, as you pointed out, Bob, says that there are variations on the theme of dude. Not all of them contain all of the characteristics that people have cataloged, but there is one attribute common to all. They exist without any effort to recompense
0: the world for their living. (laughs) Vacuous and yet entitled.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're often the son of wealthy parents. It's pointed out they attend the theater quite often and endeavor to date actresses. So that's clue number one as to where this word may have come from. Now, the second piece of evidence came from another of the sleuths that I mentioned, Sam Clements, who found an 1879 article that was originally in the Boston Herald. It was called Concord Reminisces About Thoreau, Hawthorne, and Emerson. So the piece was about the town of Concord, Massachusetts, and its ties to those great writers. And there's a passage in which this piece talks about Nathaniel Hawthorne's son, Julian Hawthorne, who came home from Italy when a very small boy, he wore long curls and the Concord boys plagued him in the usual tough way of boys. They called him Sissy and Yankee Doodle. And finally, they ridiculed the poor lad till he petitioned for a barber to cut off his locks.
0: Aha! Yankee Doodle, which, by the way, are the two words before dandy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the first time that,
1: Anyone has ever discovered the phrase Yankee Doodle being cited as its own ridiculing phrase outside of the song. So the trajectory, the path that Cohen and Poppick have put together here, the proposed path, which seems very likely, is that the word doodle begat "duty" D-O-O-D-Y, structurally emulating dandy. Doody begat dude, D-O-O-D, which is an early spelling which begat D-U-D-E. So let's talk about the song Yankee Doodle Dandy because the key that ties all of this together is hidden within that song. Okay, pop quiz time again, Bob.
0: Have you heard of the expression the grand tour? Well, I, yeah, I know the term in its contemporary usage. Uh, you're visiting friends in their new house and they say, would you like the grand tour? And your thought <laughs> bubble over your head says, no, I would not. And you say, oh, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> And then you see rooms. This is where the magic happens. This is where we cook. (laughs) I'm
1: talking about Grand Tour, capital G, capital T, which is something a bit different. It was a tradition that existed from about the mid-1600s to the mid-1800s in which upper crust European young men would tour around Europe and visit the cosmopolitan cities. They'd go to Venice and Milan and Paris, and they would often come back very much affected by this experience, and I mean affected somewhat pejoratively.
0: You mean, having become suddenly more worldly, they started putting on airs?
1: Yes, exactly. Now, this tradition of the Grand Tour reached a kind of absurd height in the mid-1700s, in particular the 1770s, actually, when British men came back to England, affected not only in their dress and aesthetic and style, but also in their appetite, their literal appetite. Many of them came back with a taste for Italian pasta, which was not very common in England at the time. And these men were known as macaronis. In fact, the word macaroni was used as an adjective. You could say that something was macaroni, meaning that it was pretty cool, it was hip, it was dope. Yeah, I'd
0: really appreciate it if you just did not use any more hip-hop expressions while, you know,
1: I'm in the room. Bob, if you can't handle my street cred, then, you know, maybe this podcast isn't for you.
0: (laughs) I feel you. I feel you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, remember, Bob, Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. He stuck a feather in his cap and he called it macaroni. That verse was written not by an American, but by a Brit who this was pre-revolutionary war, who was making fun of Americans, making fun of Americans who were trying to be dandies like the Brits that they would see and soon fight but they were not quite getting it. The implication is that this American guy, he could just stick a feather in his cap and call that macaroni and think that he was stylish somehow, that that's all he
0: needed to do. So provincial and clueless, they couldn't even pull affectation off properly. Exactly. (laughs) Colonists. (laughs) So
1: the macaronis of the 1770s mutated into the Yankee Doodle, which was the American version in a kind of mocking way. And then Yankee Doodle, as we've already discussed, mutates eventually into Dude.
0: And then we shall see that it kind of explodes when Mark Twain gets on the case.
1: Yes, Twain does get his hands on the word, Bob. But before we get to that, I just want to mention a couple of other things. When the word is still in its relative infancy, still in the 1880s, it takes on a whole array of of variations. So we see words like dudum, dudeness, dudery, dudism. A publication in, I believe, Texas in the 1890s says, What shall education be? Are we traveling the way of the Greeks? Is wealth made the means of idleness and irresponsibility? Is dudism becoming more contagious among us than philanthropy? We hear dudes and dudish. <laughs>
0: Dudes. <laughs> dudes. Yeah. Uh, introducing the dude and dudes of Hermosa Beach.
1: <laughs> so, a- as a matter of fact, Mark Twain actually used dudes in uh, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. He uses both dudes and dude. It's the first literary use of dude. And that's where. Seth Lair comes in. Seth Lair is the Dean of Arts and Humanities at the University of California at San Diego, and he wrote a paper called Hello, Dude, Philology, Performance, and Technology in Mark Twain's Connecticut Yankee. I want to bring him in now. Seth, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Before we get to Twain and his use of the word dude, I want to read a passage from your paper that I thought was really perceptive. You write that at the heart of dudedom is not simply affectation, but imagination. The dude is fiction brought to life, a literary creature plopped down on the streets of the quotidian. And yet the dude is also something of a threat to power, a self-imagined ruler of a landscape given up to foppery and fools." And you then go on to say, there is a politics to Deutery, a sense that somehow this affected or imaginary persona poses a threat to the established order, that what replaces power politics or social class or the familiar hierarchies of control is something strange.
2: Thank you. It's always wonderful to have one's words quoted back to him.
1: They're, I think, very insightful.
2: You know, one of the things that I think about as you're reading that is the idea not simply that Twain takes a word in common parlance and uses it in literature for the first time, but that the idea of the dude is itself a kind of literary or theatrical idea. Dudes are performers. Whatever the lexicography of the word or whatever the etymology of the word, it's very clear that in the 1870s and 1880s, there's a very strong sense in post-Civil War, American culture, of what it means to reshape your life, of what it means to make yourself into someone that you haven't been before. And one of the things about the association of dudedom with people like Oscar Wilde, who came to America in the last decades of the 19th century, did a spectacularly theatrical tour, Twain himself, the figure of Walt Whitman, the kinds of issues that the study of this word raises for the late 19th century are the same kinds of issues that the study of language raises today about the politics of belonging and about the ways in which literature and literary culture very often reflect on what it means to be an American or to be someone else.
0: You know, Seth, if you'll permit me, you have just rocked my world because... Uh, you have imputed a significance to the word dude that was absolutely unknown to me. It was a tenderfoot Easterner uh, in the Wild West, and then it hibernated for about 80 years, and then the, the hippies picked it up and uh, as a, a colloquial greeting, and then it disappeared again, and then the Coen brothers resurrected it for... The Big Lebowski, and it disappeared again. And now every 26-year-old white guy uses it to mean absolutely everything under the sun. Exactly. I had no idea that it had such a rich history in the language and in the society.
2: Well, I'm glad that I've rocked your world, because, you know, as an academic administrator in the University of California, I rock very few worlds out here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things that I want to say is this. I've been following many of the colloquial uses of the word dude quite recently. And what I've found is that among my own undergraduates, and very often on television or in the movies, the word dude connotes something about masculinity in hiding. Mm -hmm. I was watching an episode of Two and a Half Men recently, where the whole comedic moment...
0: Your secret is safe with us.
2: uh, ...and the entire podcasting listening audience. You know, the Charlie character has a relationship with a cross-dresser, and he doesn't know it's a man. And the word they use over and over and over again was, you didn't know it was a dude. He didn't say he was a dude. Did he look like a dude? He had dude hands. The word still has an enormous amount of transgressive power to it is what i'm getting at
1: and this sense seth also touches on the politics of belonging you know i don't exactly. i think it's very interesting that the affected dude of the late 1800s was thought to be affected in a very european way That's and exactly in right. fact people thought that the etymology of the word back then must be English, that it must have come from London somehow. Of course, there's no evidence of that, and we now believe that it's distinctly American. But I want to get now to Twain, because Twain has the first literary use of the word dude in his 1889 book, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Right. For those who don't remember or have not never read the book, remind us briefly what that book is about.
2: The book is about the story of Hank Morgan, who imagines himself transported back from 19th century Connecticut to 6th century Britain, and he becomes a figure in King Arthur's court who transforms it, bringing knowledge of the future to the past. So among the many things he does is he has them develop electricity and telegraphy. He out-Merlin's Merlin in his ability to do what are apparently magic things, and he completely redesigns the world of the Arthurian early Middle Ages. Twain's book is, of course, a satire. It's a satire on post-Civil War America. It's a satire about the fascination with new technology, and in particular, It's a book about the fascination with the telephone in the 1880s. Hank Morgan has clearly had a relationship with a hello girl in his earlier life. A hello girl was the phrase used to describe a telephone operator. And so Hank Morgan creates a world in which there are Arthurian hello girls, as well as what he calls the iron dudes, men in armor in Arthur's court who are as it were, performing a higher form of masculinity.
1: You say that the book was a satire on the time's fascination with technology, but Twain himself was fairly fascinated with technology, and he was also fascinated with philology and language, and this book is sort of the intersection of those two great interests of Twain. The word dude was one that he had to have picked up, as so many of the words that he pioneered as liter- in literary uses, he had to have picked up from... Just people on the street. Exactly. And if Twain's ear was on the street, it's fair to say, I think, that the ears of many lexicographers were on Twain, or at least their eyes, because they would read his works as soon as they were published so that they could see what were the new words that we have not yet cataloged.
2: That's exactly right. Twain is exactly analogous to Sir Walter Scott. If you were to say to somebody... Who is the most cited author or most quoted author in the Oxford English Dictionary? Everyone would say Shakespeare, and they would be right. Who is the second most? It's Sir Walter Scott. Like Twain, Walter Scott uses the regional language of rural England and northern England in new ways. And Twain knows that he is the American Scott. When people are making dictionaries, they go to Twain in the same way they went to Walter Scott. They're looking for coinages. They're looking for regionalisms. They're looking for new words. They're looking for old words used in new ways. And they're also looking for dialect. And because Twain was writing at the same time that the OED was being produced, you can trace volume by volume Twain coming in. And then, as they revise, they go back and they add more Twain to stuff. So it's a fascinating relationship between an author and a group of dictionary writers.
1: Seth, I want to just end with another of your observations. You point out that in lexicographers' choosing Twain and other particular authors to call their citations, that they're engaging in a kind of uh, social criticism and a kind of literary interpretation.
2: Well, the making of dictionaries, the study of language, lexicography, these are as much political activities as they are linguistic and scientific activities. Finding a definition, looking up words, these are judgments when we go to look up a word, we're not just looking up a definition. We're encountering a culture. And in my view, the most vibrant piece of lexicography available now is the online urban dictionary. It is the most immediate and accessible window onto contemporary American Internet and youth culture. And the fact that it's being presented as a dictionary means that you can still write the history of a generation through the history of its words.
1: A word that Americans use to address each other, particularly stoners, surfers, and skaters. Dude, I'm like, dude. That's what the Urban Dictionary says about the word dude.
2: A sentence like, dude, I'm like, dude. That, to me, I could do an entire class on that
1: sentence,
2: and, and probably will now.
1: <laughs> Seth, thank you so
2: well, much. Well, one
0: thing about the lexicographers at the uh, Urban Dictionary, they're very tolerant. They do abide.
1: Seth Lair is the Dean of Arts and Humanities at the University of California at San Diego. Take it easy, dude.
0: Oh, yeah. I know that you will. Yeah, well...
1: The dude abides. The So, Bob, I want to close with uh, one other thing. I suggested earlier in the episode that Gerald Cohen and the other etymological sleuths were the first to put together the idea that dude may have come from doodle. That's not exactly true. Do tell. I have made my own small but not insignificant contribution to this mystery of the etymology of dude. So something that I was reading a paper from 1952 had a reference that, you know, led me to a footnote that led me to a British journal called the Athenaeum. Now, in an October 1900 issue of the Athenaeum, a man named Alfred Nutt, N U T T, he was a British publisher He wrote a brief paragraph on the etymology of dude, and he conjectured that it might have some German origin, as other philologists and linguists at the time conjectured. There's no evidence for that. But then he says something really interesting. He says that he hears from a friend of his that dude is pronounced to rhyme with nude, N-U-D-E. He then says, in view of this information... My suggestion as to some possible connection between doodle and dude, of course, falls to the ground. Now, this is notable for two reasons. One, here is somebody conjecturing that dude is related to doodle. And two, it's confusing why he would say it falls to the ground. Because if dude rhymes with nude, it would seem to suggest that dude may have come from doodle, right? Unless,
0: unless... He pronounces nude as nude with the kind of Y sound that hyper-enunciators of a certain sort uh, might use.
1: I brought this to the attention of Gerald Cohen, who compiles a newsletter called Comments on Etymology, and in fact compiled a double issue completely devoted to the word dude several months ago. He also was confused by that. We didn't discuss the alternate pronunciation, so maybe I'll bring that to his attention But he said that he would, in all future writings on Dude, credit me with having found this very important piece of information.
0: Wow, you're footnoted. I am footnoted, baby. Mike, you're official. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I have made my mark on the world of etymological sleuthing.
0: That's fantastic. So uh, now I can call you a gentleman and a scholar and really mean it, (laughs) except for the gentleman part. Right.
1: Yeah, I'll still have to earn that somehow. Good luck, right? If you want to uh, suggest other reasons about why Alfred Nutt thinks his association between dude and doodle falls to the ground, please email us at slatelexiconvalley at gmail.com. That's slatelexiconvalley at gmail.com. Follow us at Lexicon Valley. Subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store where you can leave a rating and a review. I want to thank Gerald Cohen and Barry Popick and Sam Clements and all of the other people who have done exhaustive research on this most mysterious of words. And I want to thank Seth Lair, Dean of Arts and Humanities at UCSD. And I want to thank Andy Bowers, the executive producer of Slate's Podcasts.
0: Dude, we done here. Dude. <laughs> all right, later gator.
1: Yankee Doodle went town, riding on. A- Stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. Yankee doodle, keep it up, Yankee doodle dandy. Mind the music and the step and with the girls be handy.